This is episode number 52 of the Show It Off podcast. Ladies, I feel like I miss you. I feel like I haven't seen you or talked to you in a long time because I've been doing so many great interviews and I love them so much. But I want you to know that very soon I will be dropping um, one where I'm just solo because I feel like that really gives me a chance to connect with you on a really personal level. So I just want to let you know that I'm thinking of you and it's funny to say, but I miss you. But with that said, I'm having these amazing guests on here because I am just really feeling the call for divine collaboration and it's happening with so much flow and ease and I'm really finding these women who are, most of them are single moms and all of them have a really similar message, but with their own personal twist on it, with their own personal experiences. And I just don't want you to miss out on what they have to share, their wisdom, their teachings. It's nothing short of miraculous, y'all. And um, today's guest is no exception. I'm pretty sure this is the best Show It Off podcast episode of all time this far. I know that's saying a lot. But I'm telling you, today I am interviewing Beth Berry, who is the author of the new book entitled, entitled, (laughs) titled Motherwhelmed. Isn't that such a great title? Motherwhelmed is all about how women are really set up for, um, set up to be unsuccessful as mothers because of the way we've been taught to mother our like american nuclear family dynamic is really um isolating and whether you're a single mom or you're a married mom we all suffer from this extremely high and impossible expectation of us and this is an area where we can all really um commiserate, is that the right word? Um, Really be united in this common thread. And Beth Berry speaks on this so eloquently and she writes about it so beautifully. And by the way, in case you're wondering, Motherwhelmed is August's book for our Show It Off book club. So be sure to order that. The um, way to do that are going to be in these show notes. So you'll find the link there. But um, Beth Berry has four daughters. They're teens and and grown now. And she is now a single mom after um, raising her children primarily with her her ex-husband. But so she really understands both positions of being married and single as a mother. She became a mother very young. And I love how she describes how there were parts of herself that um, were atrophying because um, she became a mother so young that she really like her identity was mixed up in being a mother. And so it's like she didn't really know who she was outside of being a mom. So, I mean, you could imagine her writing this book from this place. We talk about our ancestors and how how powerful women really are and how there's really this like 
mm, I don't know how to put it. I don't want to put it all on men, but uh, kind of is all on men. So I want to say it like in a more PC way, but like this source of adverse, um, adverse, like um, working against us as women, because there's fear about how powerful we are and how capable we are, especially when we work together and when we're working from our intuition and our inner knowing. So there's for many, 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 many hundreds of years, there has been this force working against us to try to keep us separate and try to diminish our power. And it's really like a gaslighting a gaslighting that's been an epidemic over women everywhere for a long time. So in this episode, we talk about that and we talk about like witches and um, medicine healers and midwives and how there's really been this like, I mean, think about like Western medicine and hospitals and hospital births and like versus home births and um like prescription medicine versus like plant medicine and um, really this like monster, like making witches out to be monsters. Um, and just, it's just fascinating. It's like, I, this intro could be like 20 minutes long, but I did want to check in and say hi to y'all because I do miss you. But I also wanted to prep you because this episode is really powerful and you might not agree with all of it. It might trigger you or it might excite you. And I would love, 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 love to hear what your opinions are about it. And the best way to like create a conversation that everybody could be a part of is for after the episode, if you head over to Instagram and go to um, Show It Off Podcast on Instagram, there'll be an image of the episode for this, uh, an image for this episode. And right there, you can leave in the comments, like what you thought or felt about it. And it doesn't have to all be, you know, milk and honey, you can share anything that comes up that isn't so like doesn't feel so great, perhaps, or maybe you're just going to be as excited as I was in the episode and be like, heck, yes, I can't wait to read this book. Like I'm going crazy over Beth Berry. Like, (laughs) so no matter what it is, I welcome it. I'd love to hear it. And I'd love for it to be a conversation that we all can join together. I know with quarantine and COVID, um, everyone is feeling really like separated and alone and like we're all going through so much. So let's like end that by using social media to get together. And just a reminder, speaking of the book club, um, right now for July, we're reading Rachel Hollis's Girl Stop Apologizing. And in order to create more community and more opportunity for us to speak together, I am hosting an Instagram live on um, Saturday Saturdays. I was going to say morning, but for some of you, it's not morning. For me in Hawaii, it's 9 a.m. And if you need help finding what that means for you, you can Google it. You could go to my Instagram page and I made a little chart, at least for the U.S., if you're outside of the U.S., I apologize because I just have not learned all the time zones yet. But if you just calculate it to 9 a.m. Hawaii time, you can figure out what time that means for you. And please join those Instagram lives because in it, we talk about the book that we're reading. But if you haven't read the book and you just want to like say hey to your fellow Show It Off podcast listeners, awesome, do that. We can do a thing where we split the screen or you can just comment it's all community. It's all sisterhood. It's all good. 
It's all fun. It was so, yes, uh, yesterday was, Saturday was the first one, and it was really fun to uh, see who hopped on and to chat. And, um, you know, if you were there, you know that Luna like massively interrupted that. <laughs> so next time I might have one of my um, community sisters watch her so that I can do it with a little less interruption. So sorry about that if you were there. I mean, sorry, not sorry, because y'all single moms, you know what it's like. But all that to say, you guys, we are deconstructing stories of what it means to be a good mother with this episode, with this movement, with this sisterhood, and um, we're deconstructing what it means to be a single mom. And that's very exciting for me. Um, so without further ado, I am going to let the episode play and you will get to meet the amazing Beth Berry. So enjoy my sisters. This is the Show It Off podcast, a show focused on changing the experience of being a single mama. We are changing the archetype of being a single mom with self-love that prioritizes a miracle mindset, following our intuition, and receiving support. We are the sovereign queens of our lives. I am your host, Sarah Faye Schaff. I am a confidence coach and an empowered single mama. Together, let's discover your power and show it off. Are you a single mama? Are you ready to change the experience of being a single mama? No longer do we have to be poor, stressed, exhausted, lonely, or unhealthy, working three jobs and barely ever seeing our kids. Nope, that may have been the way single mamas were doing things in the past, but we are a new generation of women and we have new resources at our fingertips. What if being a single mom looked like being in a village of sister friends, sharing expenses, supporting each other in childcare and household responsibilities, all while making lots of money and having a great balance of being present with your babies, but also using your mind and energy to doing work that you love. Sound impossible? Well, it's very possible. And I know this because I'm doing it myself right now and I can show you how. I have built an online course with an interactive online community that includes modules like self-care 101, be your own boss, how to build community where you are right now, how to be happy as a single woman, dating as a single mama, and my personal favorite, you can do paperwork, navigating the legal side of being a single mama. This course is sold module by module for only $37 each, so you can pick and choose the modules depending on what your needs are right now. There are also free modules to help you with the process of leaving and up-leveling your mindset for success in all areas of your life, plus lots of one-on-one and group support. Does this make you excited? Do you want to join the empowered single mama sisterhood? Well, all you have to do is go to sarahfayshoff.com and enter your email. Then you will be put on a special list and I will invite you when the course goes public. And I will also give you free support right away. 
Look, being a single mama can seem impossibly hard, but that is because of the way we have been going about it. We can change that which we want to change in our lives. This can be the most empowering season of your entire life, and you do not have to do it alone. So go to the site, the link is in the show notes, and join the Empowered Single Mama Sisterhood today. Beth? Hi, Sarah. Hi, good morning. Well, Good morning. Is it morning for you? <laughs> it is, yeah, it's about 10.30. Where, where are you in the world? I'm in Hawaii, and it's 4.30 here. Oh, wow, you're so dedicated. (laughs) I am so excited to speak with you. Oh, my God. Where are you? I'm so happy. I'm in Asheville, North Carolina, in the mountains. Awesome. I know someone who grew up there, and, man, she loves it there. It's amazing. It's a really special place. And I do you love Hawaii? I do. If I would sum it up in one word, I would say magical. Uh Uh-huh. That's awesome. It's I great know. when you can live a place that feels that way to you. I feel that way about this place too. Agreed. It's the best. Yay. Beth, I want you to know that um, one morning I was like, I need to find other mamas who are saying this message better than I can. And mm-hmm. this message is this message that my girlfriends and I speak about nonstop. Mm-hmm. And I found you and I'm telling you I got chills and tears and just like (laughs) so excited because not only do you write a beautiful book on what my girlfriends and I talk about all the time (laughs) but you wrote your your wording and your imagery and your voice is so beautiful and I'm just really more than excited to have you on the show. So Yay. thank wow. you. I really appreciate that. I'm so glad that it's resonated and that, you know, that, yeah, that you connected with it. It's, that's exciting to me too, because it took so long to get it out of me that it's just like, thank God it's out. You know, oh, people yeah, can interact yeah. with it. Jen, I mean, yeah. having four children and producing a book, it's like you have five children. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Quite a journey. So, oh, yeah. Awesome. But, like I said, it's such a necessary conversation. And, you know, what I'll tell you is that I live, I'm a single mom, and I live around a lot of other single moms in this like little Hale community. Mm-hmm. And um, all of us are like, <laughs> we laugh because we're like, this is like overwhelming, right? You know, <laughs> we're like, mm-hmm. this is a big deal. But it's not just the single moms. It's our it's our married mom friends too. And everything about like, I also want you to know that I've ordered my book and it's next book on the Show It Off book club. So I'm really excited to like get the whole community excited about reading this Yay, book. Yay, awesome. I so yes. appreciate that. Oh, I'm just be- beyond excited. It's like, Okay, so what I love also is like that you not only talk about, I'm like jumping the gun, but I'm just so excited, but you talk about how we're really set up to feel um, like we're not enough for this mothering Mm -hmm. role based on our community. So like, I'm already like in love and obsessed with you, but for the women who are just tuning in and listening, like, oh my gosh, who's Sarah talking to? Why is she so excited? (laughs) Will you um, introduce yourself a little bit and tell us uh, like how you got to be writing this book called Motherwhelmed? I became a mother really young. I was 17. And so my entire sense of self 
uh, at that age was um, was motherhood. And so when I uh, throughout my mothering, my early mothering experience, I was so heavily identified with that that I sort of it wasn't that I lost myself. It was that I didn't know another version of myself well enough to begin with. Right. right. So so as I so my I was so heavily and deeply invested in motherhood. It was like my passion, my creative outlet, my inspiration. It was everything. And um, and I but then as I went, as I went along, I started realizing that like there's so many I felt so not gratified in the experience of of that level of an intense mothering experience because there was no sense of self outside of it, you know? And, and as you know, and as all mothers can relate with everything, there was like no um, sense of accomplishment. Like, like <laughs> I would, I would do something and it would just be undone. And so yes. it was like my, I, there were, there were parts of myself that were just like atrophying, right. Yes. As I went through the early mothering experience. So I um, slowly over the years, started to understand that actually having motherhood be my central experience and not also cultivating a fuller sense of self was really not only damaging to to me but ultimately to my kids because I wasn't modeling whole womanhood for them I was modeling self-sacrificial motherhood yes um so it was it was quite a journey (laughs) but uh yeah, spent many, many, many really overwhelmed years um, in my mothering journey before I realized that something had to give. And it, it really took kind of like having a bit of a breakdown and realizing that like, I, I love my children, but I hate my life. I hate this life I've structured for myself. Yes. So a lot of my journey since has been deconstructing the stories that I was telling myself about what I had to be doing in order to be a good mom and in, in order to be an intentional conscious mother um, lots of deep story deconstruction. <laughs> Whole lot. Yes. And I love how you wrote, you say deep story because it has been passed on for generations that like, this is normal and this is okay. And this is enough. And then we're really left to feel like we aren't enough if we're not enjoying it or we're doing it wrong. Like I remember I felt like what I I thought I would be a good mom. I thought I would be like really enjoying this mothering role. Like how could I have been so wrong, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and just being really like thinking like I um, tricked myself or I couldn't trust my own instinct or desires, which would yep. create a huge disconnect between me and myself. <laughs> my goodness. Yeah, but, totally. But then as I changed things, like becoming a single mom was such a gift for me because I was able to, for me, this, my, my path was that I was like, oh, I'm free to do this however I want. I don't have to like be on the stove all day and I don't have to like look pretty while I do it and all these things. Like I just felt like I had a lot of like kind of that 1950s housewife mentality ingrained in me and it was not serving me. And when I I became a single mom, I was like, oh, we can like eat on the floor and like, you know, have a picnic Mm -hmm. in the living room and make it fun. And like all of a sudden I'm really enjoying being a mom. And I love how you say like, so for all y'all listening, I'm speaking with Beth Berry and she's a mother of four gorgeous daughters who are, they're teenagers now, right? 
Yep. Uh, teenagers and adults, they're 13, 15, 19, and 25. Wow. You are in the teen girl years. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really fun. Okay. And the reason I just fell in love with Beth's like, Instagram and bought her book and put it on the book club list is because I love how you say to reimagine what it's like to be a mother and that we aren't failing as mothers, but we're mothering in a culture that is misleading, overburdening, and inadequately supporting us, as you say so eloquently. Because it's so true, this isolation um, and what you said about um, never being able to accomplish anything, like never get to feel that sense of accomplishment. I really feel like that was the like the dagger for me. I remember watching um, like other people be like, oh, I finished this task today, no matter how big or small, and literally feeling massive jealousy and anger towards them being like, what the heck? Yeah. How can you get to finish something? I can't even make the bed, you know, without being interrupted. It's very right. upsetting. Wow. Yeah, and it gets us into this mindset that we're actually, there's something wrong with us, that we can't seem to get things accomplished, when when really it's that we were never supposed to be doing all these things in isolation by ourselves, that that raising kids is supposed to be a community effort, you know? Yes, um, that, like we're, there's a, we're set up to fail from the beginning in, as the system is currently structured. Exactly, and that is what, like, as a voice and for someone who is, supporting single mamas, that's really a huge part of my message is saying, hey, y'all, we can do this a different way. And mm-hmm. let's, let's get creative. And let's talk and let's get together. And let's remember who we are as women. So will you speak on that a little bit about like your thoughts and, and opinion about like villaging and revillaging and, and like the, um, what do people call that nuclear family or whatever it is when we're all like separated you know, man, woman, kids in their own house by themselves versus like mm-hmm. parts of the world where they're still living with grandparents and aunties and uncles. And we just speak on that a little bit. I'd love to hear what you have to say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one huge um, turning point for me in my own parenting journey happened when <clears throat> my ex-husband and I moved our whole family to Mexico and we lived there for four years and we got perspective on just how many different ways there are to be a good parent, you know, like people doing things radically differently. And I, and I was just kind of blown away at, um, by watching mothers who were mothering together. It was mostly the Maya mothers in the indigenous communities that I, um, spent some time in that, um, everything was done together, everything, you know, like necessarily done together. That's how they survive is that they're they're helping each other out. And the way that the, the kids ran wild and took care of themselves largely and the mothers were doing daily household chores, community chores really, because they were living in like shacks and shanties. It's not like they had a household to run necessarily. Uh-huh. It was different, different in that way. And the, uh, the I, I just got some really beautiful firsthand examples of how even in the most impoverished, some of the most impoverished parts of the world, their the intact community is so supportive in such a way, in a way that we don't know, we've never tasted, we've never experienced. So we have monetary wealth and relative monetary wealth. And yet I think we are just, um, you know, like 
a culture starved of community connection that really supports us well. So this idea of re-villaging is so appealing and attractive to me. And yet it's a, it's a really challenging one for a lot of people because it's sort of like, well, how the heck do you go from where we are now to that? Right. To actually. Um, so so my, my take on this is that I don't know that our generation of mothers is necessarily, most of us aren't going to experience raising our children in a village. That's not necessarily what we're going, we're not necessarily going to get that um, benefit. However, I do think that there are ways that we can create more of a village mindset. So, and look at this as a gener, we're, we're doing generational healing by resetting our sales and saying, we're not headed in the right direction with these nuclear families and single family, isolated and single family households. We, we've got to start, we've got to set our sales differently and start to recognize what, what our needs are and, and figure out how to recreate those circumstances under which we actually can thrive, under which thriving is possible. So part of it is actually figuring out what, what we need figuring out um, what, what we're, so much of it comes down to worthiness. Like we don't feel worthy of support because either we, you know, because we have everything, everything's associated with money. So if you make money, then you're worthy of things. But if wow. you're home raising kids all day long, we don't feel worthy of, of having our needs met often. Um, wow. So, so in terms of like the, the practicality of this idea of re-villaging, I think we've got to get really creative and courageous about it. One of the one of my responses to this need has been to create. Um, I have a year long program called Mother Worthy, and it's structured in such a way where we don't we're we're not meeting all of all of each other's needs. There's that's not happening. But what we are do doing is meeting some specific needs that are really essential to. I believe every awakening mother and those are creating a safe sense of sisterhood, you know, a strong, safe sisterhood yes. within which we can actually start having these conversations and saying, this is not working. Oh, that's not working for you either. No, totally not working for me. And right. here's my, here's my personal experience and creating a space where everything goes, you can say all the things and that it's not a, a space of judgment and you're not going to be shamed for it. And in fact, we start to then, dig into the heart of like, if I'm sharing my experience of frustration because, you know, I can barely even get a shower yeah. and someone else is like, yeah, and listen to this. And it's not that we sit around and just like bitch about our problems, but we start to look at how, where is, how is the system set up to create these circumstances so that we can start to take some of this narrative off of our personal inadequacy as the problem here. Yes. I think that's like the core lie, at the, you know, at the core of all of this is that women, mothers, personal inadequacy is the reason we don't feel better, feel stronger, get more done, you know, feel on top of it, feel more connected. And I just think that's just, uh, just utter bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think we've been set up to fail. It's, it's gaslighting really by yes. the culture. Um, and, and really teach telling us that we're, we're the problem. And really actually we're working so hard to single-handedly provide rich, you know, experiences to our kids. And I, I see this even more so in some ways w within like intentional parenting communities right. you know, conscious mothers, if you will, who are trying to give their kids, 
you know, the very best in healthy food, the very best in holistic education, the very best in natural toys, the very best in like all coming from well-intentioned places. But again, we're trying to, we're, what we're trying to do is actually make up the difference between the structure that we have and the, like the, the lives we have and the lives we envision. Like we're trying to recreate the village for our kids mm-hmm. single-handedly. And it is yes. exhausting <laughs> us. It is exhausting us. And then we burn out. And then we're actually not great parents because we're freaking out at our kids because we're so, we've given and given and given and given, overgiven to the point of depletion. And then we're losing our temper, you know? And then we're furious and upset at ourselves because how did it come to this when I bought the natural toys and everything? Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And why do I still not enjoy this even though I feel like I've checked all the boxes? They've got the wooden toys. They've right. worn them in the sling and nursed until they were three. Like check all yes. the boxes and we're still miserable. <laughs> and it's because our well-being is being sacrificed in order to get to that point. And I think where we've really got to focus is like the, my turning, one of my turning points was when I realized that if I continued the pattern as I had been living, what I was going to do is model for them an intentional invested mother and an absolutely miserable woman. Yep. And then that they would go on, my four daughters were going to yep. go on to repeat the pattern of, cause I'm essentially saying that once you become a mother, like I'm telling it, it, I was demonstrating to my children that once they became mothers, they would no longer be worthy of having their needs met or thriving. Oh my That's God. That's what I was showing them. I have chills all over my body. That is so true and intense and sad because of course it's not what we want to teach, but yes, we teach by example and my God, that's exactly it. I'm so glad I'm recording you. This is like, yes, this is like one of those conversations where you say, I wish I was recording this. And I'm like, I am recording it. <laughs> because yes, yep. that's exactly it. Oh my God. And you know, where I live in Hawaii, like there's a lot of women here who are kind of like the black sheep of their family or the black sheep mm-hmm. of their, their communities and cultures and churches and towns, like bigger than just their family. So they yep. come to this island and we've all come here in a sense of being like, is it, hey, is it different over here? Like, can we do things differently? Can we be a little more wild? And you speak about, you know, like remembering your wild in a sense. And mm-hmm. I, I've seen us here um, create some things that are a lot more supportive than what I've experienced living as a mother on the mainland for the, the short period of time that I have about, um, about a year in mm-hmm. the, my daughter's four. And, um, what I've also seen is that because we live on an island, there's often like lava flows and things that really disrupt communities and everyone like kind of spreads out like, like ants getting their house stepped on, you know, they all just kind of Mm. spread out. And so when that happens, we see the dichotomy of like, whoa, look how different it was when we were all helping each other. And now we're all spread out. And what my, the, where I live, I was mentioning that I live in this hale of single mothers where we are, are like, okay, look, like you, you mentioned it. And I, I so agree with you that the majority of women aren't going to like experience real revillaging the way like you saw in Mexico. And if we can acquire the mindset, which I believe mm-hmm. mindset is like everything, how much more we can benefit and, and rise together and help each other out with things like play dates and sister circles and moon full moon new moon gatherings and just like um 
tag teaming, like carpooling, yep. those sort of things, right? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And and being able to, I think a lot of that takes down, it takes breaking down the narrative that um, the more I can do myself, the better mother I am. You know, yes. the independence model of motherhood and just how destructive that is. And actually being like, no, actually, what one of the marks of a good mother is to be able to um, know when you need support and ask for it, you know, and, and to actually trust other women and other community members to mentor your children and not single handedly think that one person is going to give them everything they need. Um, so like to, we've got to like flip the script in, in all of these ways that we think about it so that we can then have because because if we just say, oh, I want to create a village. Well, great. OK, then most likely aside from all the logistics of making that happen, there's a lot more internal work that yes. you recognize in order to, because you start getting in your own way really quickly. Like, well, why are we not recreating the village? A lot of it is because we've adopted narratives that are keeping us from doing so. That's so true. And when you say that, I think about the narrative about women being in competition and, mm -hmm. and often like, like, you know, we've, there's so many women I know, like who don't even have that as a thought in their head anymore, but I know that there's still women out there who do. And so if you have that mentality, how nearly impossible it is to like admit that you need help, ask a sister for help, reach out, let a sister um, mentor your child in any way, shape or form, because they, you, you might think, well, that's showing me that I'm not doing it good enough or that, you know, something like that. Yep. So absolutely. Have, do you speak on, I can't, I wish I could have already read the book when we spoke. It's on its way to my house. But um, do you speak on that in the book about like sisterhood and breaking down that like old um, conditioning of comp competition and jealousy within women? I do some, I do touch on that. Um, but certainly there could be so much more written. Um, I was like, I'm going to finish this book. I'm going to publish this book. I'm not you adding another freaking chapter. <laughs> but yes, there's so much more. Uh, but yes, I do touch on sisterhood a little bit and the, the importance of that and how um, we have some real healing work to do as women among each other. You know, yes. like we, there's, there's so much healing work to be done and across the culture and just about every um, aspect. But this is one that I really see as foundational that, that the fact that we don't trust one another is like, one of the most damaging, you know, um, phenomenons right now, because if we, if I can't trust my neighbors and my, my community members, um, then I have, I have isolated myself. Yep. Yeah. And yep. I have also given my children the message that, that community can't be trusted or that you, that isolation is the, is the way. Um, so it takes a lot of courage, I think, because we've we've sort of been when you have conditioning, like when you've been conditioned not to trust people, trusting yep. people feels dangerous. Yeah, it feels um, like something really terrible is going to happen. So it, I think it actually ultimately comes down to some some real personal healing work. And in, even like when you really get into it, it's it ends up being trauma work, you know, like. What are the trauma responses, the stress responses I'm having in moments when I clam up and when I'm terrified of being rejected? This is a big one among, among women that I'm going to, if I meet someone out and, you know, if I meet another mother at the park and I really um, need, know that I need friendship, I need sisterhood. But if, but I start coming up with the stories right away, oh, she probably doesn't want to 
you know, first of all, we like do these judgments where we're like looking at the other person's like, what kind of water bottle do they buy? What kind of shoes are their kids wearing? And we to try to identify, are these, is this someone who's enough like me to approach? Mm, wow. and so, so like capitalism has come in and infected us with these filters, but through which we see each other. Right. It's so true. Um, yes. And so that happens first. And then we are like, you know, if there are too much like outside of what we deem as our people, then we don't even bother. But if, if there's enough going on there, I mean, just, just think about how many times you like see someone you're like, Oh, she's my people. What are we looking at? We're looking mostly at the stuff that yes. she buys. Yes. And I think that's really dangerous. You know, I really do. I think it's, um, it's dangerous for us to, to say, okay, then based on that judgment, I'm going to make a connection or not. Um, cause we're limiting ourselves hugely in that way. We so, are. so then to be able to notice, and so much of this is, is, um, is like self-reflective work because in the, if we can slow the process down and recognize what's happening in our body, when we go through this process of like meeting someone new. So if I'm, I notice those judgments and then I go, okay, I'm not going to let that be the reason I don't connect with this person. Cause I, this connection, connection is important for me. I need connection. So then I might. Um, the next barrier might come up when I want to go approach her, but then I see that she's talking to someone else and, oh, she already has friends. She's our, she already has community. She doesn't need me in her, in her circle. So we've got another limiting belief that comes in and that blocks yes. the connection. Yes. Um, and so we're constantly doing this. So we've got to start the, with this. So much of this work, I think, is about self-examination because we've got to figure out the ways that we're getting in our own way based on our conditioning. Um, and start to break some of that down and, and, and be courageous and creative in the ways that we connect if we want to get back to any possibility of something that feels uh, more supportive. Wow, that's so true and so good. And what's beautiful about that is when it's self-work and when it's inner work, that means we have the power to change it. We right. have the ability to do the inner work. It's like on us, which is like, if you look at it one side, it might be like, well, geez, on me, <laughs> but I'm like, Hey, that's empowerment because that means yeah. you have an opportunity to change it. You can't do anything about what someone else is doing necessarily, but you can handle what you are, what you're doing. Right. Okay. But Absolutely. on the same like thought, I'm just really curious um, because you talk about like cultural issues and like how this is a, a, like a taught conundrum for our like society and how to mother. I'm curious what your thoughts are, because when I look at um, the way things are and how powerful women are, which I re didn't really realize until I had a home birth with my daughter, I was like, holy moly, like, I'm amazing. <laughs> I mm -hmm. remember looking at my, my ex and being like, before I thought he was like the sun and the moon and the stars. And then after I gave birth, I kind of looked at him and I was like, what can you do? Like, the, right. the, the, everything just shifted where I was, realized how powerful I was. Or M. Yeah. And I kind of got me thinking. I remember even having my newborn baby laying in bed, like in my like fifth trimester or fourth trimester thing. And I was like, I wonder if somewhere along the line, men realized how amazing and powerful women are and were frightened and threatened by our power, that they mm -hmm. are inadequate because they can't do what we can do with our bodies. Like, birthing, mm -hmm. creating, birthing, and sustaining their children in the community. Mm -hmm. And then if we all got together, 
whoa, what would happen if we really did work together as sisters and, and really we would rule the world. And so I got to thinking like, what if back in the day, the guys like, whether it was consciously or subconsciously got together and was like, we need to squash this because they're going to rule us if we don't. And that became like things like um, the witches getting murdered in Salem and all of this like separate separation. I mean, is this something that you agree? I hear you saying, yeah, but I'm like, is this, is this like, what do you think about this thought? I absolutely agree. I think that we don't realize just how much of our conditioning has actually come from deep, deep ancestral trauma around. Um, So like, for example, like what you're talking about in the witch hunts, part of what happened was that the women in communities by, you know, the the white men coming in and, and trying to create, you know, take power back mm-hmm. um, or take, take over. Um, the women in the communities were basically forced to um, rat out the, the wise women, the healers, the midwives. Mm-hmm. And the, so the wise women, the healers were all like, you know, labeled witches mm-hmm. killed. But then a big part of that was like, there were threats made to women that if you don't rat out this the the wise women in your community then will will kill your children what whatever so that mm-hmm. so that then women started being distrustful of one another right oh my god and so you can feel like there's deep deep roots in there because you can also feel like if you really feel into it we we know we're meant to be connected we know that sisterhood is like the foundation of what we're supposed to be doing as humans but we also can feel just right alongside that this deep wound where I can't, I don't dare create sisterhood because it feels dangerous also. And I think that's, I think that's our memory of trauma. Honestly, when you said you could feel that, like in that moment, like right now, I feel like I'm about to have this huge cry, you know? And it's like this feeling that's deep inside of me of like, that's so true. And that was so hurtful. And that's like cellular and um, like spiritual like you said, trauma, that's really, really powerful and true. And I, my, like, I know as part of my Dharma is to highlight this fact and, and show women, like, this is what happened. And this is how strong we are. And this is why we need to remember and heal and move forward and change. Wow. That's absolutely. I had a good thought of that piece. So thank you for saying that. Yeah. A good, good book on this topic is, um, which, by Lisa Lister, I think her name is. Awesome, um, thank you. Yeah, it's a good one. It kind of gives you some history behind um, uh, the pa- patriarchy, how how this sort of systemic erasure of of wise women and um, and turning us against each other as as women, we have that that fear at a cellular level, um, and and then to erase all of the history. So the, right. we don't know much about this. Right. We weren't taught this stuff because it's it hasn't been recorded on purpose. Okay. You Thank know? you for saying that because I spent several days like Googling and Googling and I'm like, am I bad at researching? <laughs> I kept saying mm-hmm. to myself, I'm like, am I not using the right words? I changed the words like 20 times and I couldn't find 
anything. And I'm really surprised I didn't find this book. So I'm glad you told me. Uh, Lisa, can you repeat her last name? Yes, Lisa Lister. Lister and the book you. is called Witch. It's Unleashed, Untamed, Unapologetic. And she also oh. gives, <laughs> yeah, she also gives a lot of other, several other uh, resources of, of amazing books to, to read to if you want to dig further into the history that's been erased of uh, women's, you know, power. Oh, I will. The root of our power. Yes, mm-hmm. thank you. I really appreciate that. I, I recently, um, just going through a hard time in my parenting journey and facing like court dates with custody battles and that sort of thing. And in a moment of like, Sarah, you're either going to crumble right now or you're going to rise. I went to this beautiful ohia tree here in the island and it's a very old tree. And I just sat there and I just like... I was like, okay, what, (laughs) what do I need to muster up right now? That's going to give me the strength to rise. Cause when it comes to our kids, like obviously crumbling isn't a choice. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had this really strong intuitive knowing that my ancestors were there with me on the the matriarch side. And I I could see like my long, long line with starting with my great grandmother, who I always thought by the way was mean. I always like mm-hmm. thought that she was this like she's this Italian immigrant who was just always like frowny and blunt and just would say weird things and always jealous and mad, you know. <laughs> I was just mm-hmm. like, gosh. And now in that moment, I just had this really clear knowing of what why she was like that and how strong she is and how present she is with me now, even though we were not close when I when she was living. And it, I, it was very clear to me that there's this long line behind her of really strong women who perhaps didn't have a chance or an understanding about healing trauma and about um, changing the way things are done. And they were angry about this because they were smart and strong and powerful. And yeah. it was kind of like, okay, Sarah, like you've been given this hard task and you've been given this platform and you've been giving this like time and space reality where we have um, the internet and I can talk to you, you know, out in the mountains and I'm over here in Hawaii and like I was able to find your book and you so easily, they didn't have all that back then. Yep. Right. So it's just like, and I see like, I, I, I love your website and you have like circles, you have blogs, you have an ability for people to work with you in person. And you're not, you didn't just like put out this book and then be like, okay, you can't find me. Like, I love how you are there. And I I was really amazed and happy that you wrote me back. So thank you for not only like writing this truth and speaking it, but also being a force for like it's healing and it's shifting and it's reprogramming. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for for saying that. Yeah. It's my greatest passion. Like the truly, because I see that the empowerment of women can't really happen. We can't have this mass movement of women coming into their power until mothers feel empowered because, because you can, let's say you make it so far as a woman and then you become a mother and then your power, right? Like we've got this setup where, yeah, it's just, it's just, you lose it. So we've got to have like a sustained, can you imagine if, if we actually saw motherhood as if there was a, a rite of passage that had us seeing ourselves as coming into greater power as mothers, 
and then even more so as Crohn's as we get older like that is so mm. not what we've got going on here well, all of us like we're conditioned to just keep trying to be a maiden you know like god do everything you can Gross. to just stay in maidenhood and like maidenhood who wants to stay in maidenhood that was right. like, really confusing and really <laughs> like no like I you know the more no. we own our power as as women as we age and as we become mothers and we move into different s- seasons of motherhood like we've got to start reminding each other of what's true and one of the things that's true is that the that we are more powerful because of motherhood. It's just that we've been gaslighted and we've been taught uh, our, our power is being stripped from us systemically and systematically. And it's, um, it's not us. We're not the problem here. Exactly. Wow. Absolutely. Um, gosh, I feel like I could talk to you forever, but, um, so I did last night go to a birthday party for a 70 year old woman who is also a midwife to many and we come up, meet my daughter and a woman that I live with who's a single mama. And she's a little bit older than me. And really, uh, we call her the sword of truth. And she really like, she's there for all of us who live here to and beyond. Just come to her for, for healing and advice. And she invited me to this party. She's like, you got to come. This woman loves single moms. Like, you're going to love her. We get there and there's so many people there. But the, the birthday girl's not there because a woman went into labor. And she was mm-hmm. off to assist the birth, but to, and I haven't even met this, met this woman, this, um, her name is Mana. And I was like, well, I'll meet her someday, I guess. And, but to see all these like, uh, young people who she had helped birth her many children, her peers, um, it was just beyond all, everyone brought food and had story to tell about her. And it was really beautiful. And I was like, I saw this and I was like, this is not something I see often. This is not something I see on the mainland. Just like really celebrating age and wisdom and um, like that mothering power that she has. You yeah. know, they were saying like she had to go because she's the doorway between like the baby and the earth. And I'm just like, wow, that's so powerful. And there was just yeah. such respect. So, totally. it's, yeah, I was so happy my daughter was there to witness that. Um, and I'm going to segue a little bit because... Um, you know, I don't know how much you want to speak on this, but I have seen on your website that you started off your journey as a mother, um, as a single mother when you mm-hmm. were 17, right? Yep. And I, I heard you say that you have an ex-husband and I'm just curious if you're married now or if you're a single mom now or what's, what can you tell a little bit about your journey of like from when you were 17 and partnership and now? Yep, absolutely. So I, I did, I started off um, single and was single for the first uh, like five years of my daughter's oh, life wow. and, and then was, and then got married and was married for 18 years. Um, and now I've been divorced for uh, like three and a half years, something oh, okay. like that. Uh-huh. And um, so single mom again and wow. uh, was now with four kids, but, and they're older. So I co-parent, um, with with my ex and that's a great connection and good um really feel really fortunate about that and um yeah I mean I you know kind of like you felt so much freedom in becoming a single mom because um because doing things my way that trying to figure out how to to be in relationship with 
this man who with whom it wasn't working was right. expending I, I was expending so much energy just yeah. trying to make the relationship work um and i we're we're all better off in this arrangement and i i just um it's not that I necessarily advocate for divorce, but I absolutely advocate for the the wellness and thriving of the in, of individuals within a couple over the institution of mar- marriage. <laughs> you know, well said. So, um, yes. You know that my we're we're better off this way. The kids are better off this way because they get to see their dad be who he is mm-hmm. without like we're not we weren't compatible. Right. We tried real hard. We tried right. real hard to make it work, and we weren't compatible. And ultimately, now he gets to have his way in his household and I have my way in my household and I have freedom again because yeah. I have my kids half the time. And right. It's really pretty, pretty freaking awesome. <laughs> I got to say. And I, and I'm unapologetic about that because I, it really ha- it's allowed me to grow my business. It allows me right. to live in my truth more fully. It allows me to have a social life. It allows me to be a fuller woman, a, like a whole woman again. And, yes. um, it's not for everyone, but I, I do think we've got to strip away the stigma around divorce and really start looking at um, lots of creative relationship design, you know? Yeah. That's got to be part of this. I would agree so much. It's funny because um, in my friend circle, I became, I left my relationship first. And then I, I say first because I started looking around being like, is this contagious? Because like all of my girlfriends, like one at a time, like not all, but like 90% started leaving their relationships. And they would say to me, well, Sarah, I was so miserable and I was so conditioned to make it work, but I saw you and you were so much happier after. Like it was like unknowingly, you know, led by example of yep. just showing what is possible and I, I love that you mentioned that because it's it's just that it's a stigma. It's like, y'all, it's fine. Like, if it's it's your life, nobody else is living it. Yeah. Do what you uh, what feels right for you and your children and your heart. And um, I just think that, um, oh, yeah, I wanted to tell you that when one of my girlfriends told me that she broke up with her daughter's dad, I remember my gut reaction. I put up my hand to give her a high five. I was so stoked for her. <laughs> she laughed so hard. She was like, babe, that's not a common like reaction to this news. And I was like, oh my God, you're right. I'm sorry. Like I la- I, we both laughed so hard because it wasn't even something I had premeditated. It was just my joy for her because yeah, I knew it was in totally. store for her. And now this woman is thriving in her business. Yep. She's like, look, never looked better. <laughs> She's so yep. happy. So, and, but she too, I want to point out, is like me living in this like holly. Like she, hers isn't all single moms. Hers is like a mom and a, with a husband and like five kids. And then like a, a, a young like 20s girl who lives by herself. Like in a little house nearby like in this little on the same property you know mm-hmm. yep. and that's like what I do like I have like kind of a duplex situation single mom of five kids lives upstairs single mom um, lives in a little like Ohana house or otherwise known as like a, a mother-in-law unit uh, uh-huh. outside and um, like we have another one nearby and it's just like what I've seen in that dynamic which before this I was living on 12 acres off grid just me and my daughter for a year and I was like, okay, this is how I'm going to die. <laughs> like this is, yeah. this is my dash. <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. I checked out to life. I had no Wi-Fi. Like I was so isolated and with yeah. quarantine, like 
at first I was like, okay, this is, this is really it. Like goodbye world. And, mm-hmm. um, but then it ended up being great because it, it like kind of pushed me to realize how much what I was pretending was working, wasn't working. And yeah. I was like, I'm out of here, you know? So I ended up moving and moving into this arrangement. And what I've seen, like just last night, my daughter, who's very talkative and vocal was like, mom, you know what I realized is that Wonder Woman grew up with lots of lots of aunties. And that is why she is a goddess warrior. And I am growing up with lots and lots of aunties. So I'm a goddess warrior too. Yeah. And I was like, You're like yep, pretty girl. much. Yep. She's getting it. Yes. That's right. That's and right. Like, Gosh, I wish I had that recorded, you know, and it was just no like kidding. really great to see. And because like I, I, like, for instance, she screamed in my ear the other day, right? And just, she thought it was cute and funny, but it was awful awful and painful. And had I been alone with her, I feel like my reaction would have been, like, just anger and defense and just pain. But instead, I was able to just put my ear over my head and close my eyes because I knew that one of my auntie friends would step in. And she did immediately. Yep. And she was like, baby, that hurts mommy's ears. And that's not okay. And this is why... And I was just in that moment, like with my head down thinking, wow, this is really so much better than doing this alone. Yeah, it's so true. And and to have that, like we, so much of that we've never even imagined before. Right. We don't even know what it would be like because we haven't tasted it or seen it. Um, but we, but I think in imagining it is, is critical to, to just start to let our, 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 our minds run wild with possibility of how in, in even like looking for examples of it all yes. over the world in throughout history in movies, whatever, what are examples of sisterhood? What are examples of, of like raising kids within a community? How, how could that look? And like you just said, like there are a million moments throughout each day that we could all benefit from the supportive community, whether it's, there's other kids running around playing with our kids, which is huge. huge. <laughs> Everything like that's like one of the big greatest losses of our generation. Yes. I feel is the neighborhood full of children. It's not there anymore. They're all on screens or on extracurricular activities or right. whatever, but they're, they're not there playing with our kids. And so then we're now the primary playmate in addition to everything else we've got on our plates. Yep. And, um, and then and the so, guilt around that, if you don't think it's fun to play for exactly. five hours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So to be able to, to just recognize just how many moments from like the mama who's like, can barely even get a shower to the person who just needs to feel heard for a little while to someone who just needs to like sit on their porch and unwind while some, while someone else is like making dinner or yep. like, um, so there was a season in my life that my very favorite parenting season of my whole life. Um, was when I lived in Mexico and my two, um, at the time, cousins of mine, these wonderful young women, they were like 22 and 24 or something. And they came and lived with us for like four months. And it was freaking amazing because in every wake, in every moment, there was somebody, like if I was cooking dinner, someone else was helping with homework. And if, when, when I was, so like, even like one person would be helping with homework, I'd be cooking dinner. And then I'd also be teaching another one how to make something for dinner. So there was like a mentorship role. They were wanting my experience and wisdom. I felt like there was some purpose to my making dinner beyond like, you know, because 
what a grind that always right. is like making dinner again for people who won't appreciate it and might not even eat it, you know, <laughs> yes. but then there was like actual appreciation and gratitude for what I was doing. Cause she wanted to learn. And then like, oh. and then there's this natural shift, like, okay, now someone else is going to do the dishes and then I'm going to run up to the market. And then, and there was just never like the stressors just lifted and there was playfulness because I had these young adult women who had a different energy. Yes. They're not overly burdened with responsibilities yet. So they were like actually wanting to play and my kids adored them and they felt like, and they, and even like they could talk to my kids about stuff that my kids didn't want to talk to me about because yep. they're a little bit, they're in a different season of life and they have something else to offer. So I just got yes. a taste of like moments like that where we could start to be like, that's what it might be like. Um, and to just keep same, actually, when I was um, a 17 year old mom, it, that was another experience of mothering that was really, really rich and profound. I lived with my parents for the first two years of her life. And so it was my, my mom and my dad and my two sisters. And we were fighting over who was going to hold the baby, you know? Yeah. Like, so I, there was never, ever, ever any question of like, oh, am I going to be able to take a shower? Or can I get like my homework done or whatever? It was like, oh yeah, I want to hold the baby. Like give me the baby. And yep. so yep. she got this experience of being loved by a whole rich community of people and in her sense of stability. And, you know, her life was um, enhanced and my stress load was, you know, I, I didn't feel super stressed as a young mother, a teenage mother. Um, wow. So That's I just think statement. that there's, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I really didn't. It was a very, very supportive way to go about it. And there was no, like, my parents were, they adored her. My my sisters adored her. It was never, like, a burden to anyone. Right, right. It's so, a gift and a joy. Yeah. I've been that in a, a family before. When I was, um, like, 28, I think, I lived with a family. The, I, I desperately wanted to have babies. And I had a neighbor who had four and I looked up to her so much. She had a radio show. And I was like, mm -hmm. I've always wanted to have a radio show. Didn't consider podcast being a thing I could do. So it's, I love having one now. But mm -hmm. I looked up to her so much. And she, I just looked at her one day and I was like, it seems like you need help. <laughs> and she was like, yeah. And she's like, how about you live with me? And I was like, done. And it was like that simple. I lived yeah. with her and her family for like a year and I was that person and like she would be up all night with the baby crying, but I would wake up early and feed the older ones breakfast and she could sleep in and yep. it was a really beautiful thing. And um, it's beautiful. Yeah. I I'm glad that we're able to like share stories and, and um, examples of this so that mm -hmm. women hearing can be like, get it there. Like she said earlier, like Beth said earlier, like just let your imagination start to flow and, 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 you know, how we can really create our lives and it starts with our imagination and envisioning and we are all visionaries. And so if you're like, huh, yeah, like what other books and movies and other examples of these stories can I, I um, see and take in? And then how can that fit into my life and what shifts can I make? And, you know, um, I know you mentioned earlier, like the logistics and I think sometimes those can feel like, um, like blocks and obstacles and limitations, but it's mm -hmm. like, we have freedom and power to do and be anything as long as we're like in alignment with that. And, and it's in our, our heart's truth. So mm -hmm. if it does look like moving or calling a friend and like figuring out how to work, how to live together or, you know, ending a relationship that isn't working, like it doesn't all have to happen in one day. It's absolutely a process. 
and just, just try to imagine like what's possible for your life and, and let yourself bask in the idea and feeling of freedom because yeah. it is possible. Like we are, like Beth is saying, we are not meant to feel caged and, and um, like we don't, we can't do anything and unworthy. And I, I love how you say you have like, your book is called Mother Whelmed, but then you have these sister circles, which you call Mother Worthy. And, mm-hmm. and I love how you say reclaim, rewild, revillage. Mm-hmm. Man, woman, that gives me chills. And I, I see like, will you explain a little bit more about what's coming up in that? Because um, I've, like, I've signed up for the enrollment of that. But I just would love for women who haven't already like obsessed over your website like I have. Um, can you explain what that is and what you have in store? Yeah, absolutely. So every um, September, I open enrollment for new groups. <clears throat> and the groups start off with like 12 to 14 women. Um, and we meet um, over Zoom. We were, we've were we been Zooming since long before COVID. Okay, cool. <laughs> before this. Um, so we... We meet three times a month um, and each month there's a theme like a, um, a topic that we explore together. So I create teaching videos and then um, and then exploration kind of homework that that we're working on. So we're, we're exploring anything from the needs, our needs and our values. Um, we explore patriarchy. We talk about the mother wound. Um, we talk about revillaging rewilding what what do these things mean we talk about the stories that we create um which of those are serving us which are not we talk about soul fire um lots of different topics that we then explore together and and through those rich and soulful conversations we we build trust um we build you know empathy connection points and then toward the end of the year we have a retreat an in-person retreat which oh! i would for- um, which they're so, so amazing. And, and just to be able to be building sisterhood online and then meet in person is just like, we're just like crying the whole week. Yeah, so like pen pals meeting for the yeah. first time. Yeah, it's really, really great. So, so yeah, it's um, enrollment will be opening in September and uh, should have another two groups that I'll be getting started. And the beautiful thing is that most um, most members in these groups have just have renewed year after year. So these, these circles aren't, they don't end up being just a year as we've got some that are going on four years now. So, um, lifelong sisterhood is being built and it's, um, really, really beautiful and supportive. That's so awesome. I'm 100% there in every way. I am so excited about that. Thank you for doing that. I'm so, absolutely. I, I love that you've said that. I remember looking at this being like, I wonder if she does videos, you know, and so I love that you do. And that's just like, oh, my gosh, I'm so excited about you. And and I'm going to honor your time because we're coming up to the top of the hour. And I I just want to thank you for taking the time to speak and being like something that the women who are these empowered single mamas to listen to your voice and your wisdom and your story. And I just like. I'm so excited to continue like all of these things. And I want to remind everybody listening that to this, if you're right now, we are in the first of July and we already have a book for July for the book club. But um, in August, which is my birthday month, we are reading Beth's book, um, Mother, 
Motherwhelmed for our book club book. So you can order it on her website, which is really easy to find through your Instagram, which um, is Revolution from Home at Revolution from Home, which is so cool, by the way, on Instagram. And I, what I did is I just clicked on the link and I love how you made a trailer for your book. That's so cool. I've never seen that before, but I saw that and I was like, yeah, I got three minutes. Tell me what this book's about and make it beautiful and add music and entertainment. Yeah. So <laughs> you guys got to go do that and order the book now so that when it start, the book club um, starts in August for this book, you're already prepared and we'll, we join um, via Instagram live on Saturday morning so that we can all like talk about it, talk story and just share like what we're learning and also while you're there you can go on uh, Beth's website and sign up for the circle you can work with her individually and read her amazing blog you're such a great writer I'm so inspired by you I'm excited to like know you more and just thank you so much I'm just I feel like a like a teenage girl meeting uh her boy but crush musician or something so <laughs> thanks for that feeling <laughs> absolutely thank you so much for doing this the good work you're doing too and supporting single moms and, and moms in general i just think it's it's essential work and um the more of us who can be in this together the more we're going to be able to you know connect and um and build a sense of empowerment uh, together it's just uh, we're going to be so much more effective when we're doing this work together so Absolutely. Thank yes. Thank you. You have a wonderful rest of your day and I'll definitely be in touch. Very good. Thank, thank you so thank much. You. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. If you like the Show It Off podcast, then you will also like the Show It Off book club. I have hand-selected a library of books that will empower you and keep you on track with your confidence-building goals. Reading has always been a huge love of mine, and if it weren't for the books that I feel like are my friends that have taught me so much, I just don't know where I would be now. That is why I started the Show It Off book club, and I hope you will join the club. It's free, it's fun, it's easy. How to join? Just go to at show it off podcast page on Instagram, follow the page, see the post where I list all of the books on the list. It's a picture of a stack of books. I will help you find it. Start your own empowering library. Tune in each Friday for the conversation starter videos I post of the chapters we are on, and I'll post them on the show it off podcast Instagram page. If you can read one to three chapters a week, you will be set. If you can't, you can still see the videos anytime. But it would be amazing if you were able to leave comments and share your thoughts with the chapters we're on with the group in real time. This is to help you really integrate the high vibe thoughts you need to be a part of your life in order to truly embody being deeply self-loving and shamelessly and unapologetically confident. So join the Show It Off book club today.